So today we are continuing a series we started several weeks ago. We are in week four um, of Not a Fan. And, and as we uh, looked at this, we started again a, a month ago as we looked at this the fan or follower test that Jesus gives to the disciples and the large crowds of people that were following him. And, and we saw again through that that Jesus is really not all that interested in having fans. Right, fans, we define that day, right, as enthusiastic admirers, one that kind of stay from a distance and, and watch and, and cheer on Jesus. Again, Jesus desires for deeply committed followers because Jesus wants to be deeply involved in our lives, so much so that, again, we intimately know him, which is like what we saw last week, and that, that God invites us into a deep relationship with him, a personal relationship with him as we journey in our faith closer to him every day. Now, as we, you know, look at this concept and this idea, again, of, of fans or followers, again, we have our kids in here with us today, and, and, and today we're looking at the message of the cross, and, and what does the cross mean, and what does it stand for, and kids, when you came in, you got um, a little color sheet with a stick on it of a cross, and so um, kids, I want you guys to be able to listen and, and, and interact with, with me today as I teach God's word. So anytime you hear me say the word cross, you're going to raise up that little picture of the cross. Okay, so again, you guys got it down. You guys know what to do. And so again, listen for that word. Every time I say cross, you're going to lift it up. So, there, so you guys can stay, stay connected and, and listen as we look at the comfortable cross today as is the title of our message. Now, um, to set that aside for a moment, and I will just say, in our world and in our culture, especially in our American culture, we do just about anything we can to avoid pain or discomfort. Okay, we value our comfort, right? We don't want to deal with pain. You know, we are used to comfort, right? If, if, it's, if it's a degree too warm, we go and turn on the air conditioner, Right? If it's, if it's a little too cold, we, we turn on the heat. We, we don't want to experience pain. And we, again, we take pain relievers and killers all the time. And, you know, the ibuprofen bottle is not very far away ever. And, and again, we do anything we can to avoid pain or discomfort. And, and even when we know it's coming, it still irritates us. Right? When we're, um, you know, discomforted at all. You know, we all know, again, one of the things we deal with, again, in our valley, and we always know what's coming, and yet we, when we get stuck in it, it, it messes with us every time when we sit in traffic. Right? And again, we know it's coming, and yet it is still uncomfortable. Right? And again, we, we've all seen that person in traffic when we're stuck in, in at a light or in this long line of cars. The person that just gets so irritated. Right? And it's like, but we, we deal with this every time. Like, you knew this was coming. Right? So it bothers people so much, they even look up from their phones every once in a while in traffic. Right? And, and again, we, we know that to be true, and we do anything we can to avoid it. Pain and discomfort are something we do not want. And yet, and there's also this, this strange thing about pain and discomfort that is oddly entertaining. Again, some of the most watched videos on YouTube are fail videos, right, of people falling and, you know, slipping on the ice or, or you know, this, these misfortunes. And again, we all know these things, and yet it just kind of draws us in, right? And yet we see them, and, and you know, it just, it just makes something rise up in us, like when we see this picture, right? We see this, and, and I don't know about you, but for me, I wish I could push play on this picture, 
Okay, because we, if you've ever been on a bike, you know that this is a possibility, right? And yet we know that just a second later, right, this guy is going to be in pain, and these girls are going to be in a very uncomfortable situation, right? And yet we know that, and we see that, and that we're oddly drawn into it, right? Because we know pain and discomfort, and we know that we will do anything to avoid it, right? Now, again, kids, we know it's a fun kids game, right, is dodgeball. Right, again, when you think about this, you know, think of dodgeball, like this comes to mind. Right, and we see, you know, this, this girl. Now, this one, again, is a half a second further. We know what's coming, right? In fact, we see it happening right here on the screen. And, and I go, most adults, we look at this picture and say, that's why I will not play dodgeball. Right, again, we know because of, we know the pain and discomfort that is going to happen to this girl. Right, and, and yet we see this and we're drawn into it and we, we realize, again, how much, um, you know, we don't like the pain and discomfort because the, the default feeling when we watch these failed videos, especially as we look at this picture, right, that we end up, our conclusion is, I'm so glad that is not me. Right, I'm so glad I'm not the one in that picture. Right, and we have that down in the, the core of who we are. Right, is that we are so glad it's not us. We do about anything we can to avoid pain and discomfort. And then when you think about this fact, right, this, this issue, and then it, it, it brings us um, to this invitation that we've been looking at from Jesus. And this invitation is found in Luke 9.23. This is the theme verse for this series Right, when Jesus says to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily. Oh, you missed it, kids. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Again, he notice again, Jesus gives us this invitation. If anybody wants to be my follower, you can be. Right? But Jesus tells us the whole story up front. There is no fine print. Right, Jesus' invitation comes with lots of ripples. Because in order to be his follower, right, he says, you must take up your cross. Okay, and then he points out that this is a daily decision. This is not a one-time deal. Right, but you will take up your cross daily, and then you will follow me. Now, as we look at this invitation, okay, is... And this word cross, again, why did Jesus use this in this invitation? Because to the first century, they knew what that meant. It was not a piece of jewelry or something they used to decorate their walls with or that they would put on the stage of a church. To them, it meant something completely different. Right? And... Again, in this idea of us avoiding pain and discomfort at all costs, this creates a big problem for the PR of Christianity. Because especially in the first century church, they would look at this invitation and say, I don't want anything to do with that. Right? From a marketing perspective, the fact that Jesus uses a cross creates a huge issue when it comes to evangelism. Because it's a hard sell. Hey, and as we think about this concept, this idea, and we're going to look at this clip um, from Kyle Eidelman this morning. Think about, about how hard of a sell it is when we know what the cross really stands for. 
Sometimes in an effort to get as many people as possible to follow Jesus, I have, with good intentions, made following Him sound as attractive, as appealing as possible. And so I've talked a lot about the unconditional joy, the peace that passes understanding, the grace and mercy that frees us from all of our guilt and shame. Those things are true and they are beautiful and they should be spoken of often. But I've realized that I have been guilty of selling Jesus, of emphasizing only the parts about Jesus that I thought people would like. Imagine it this way. Imagine if my oldest daughter grows up and goes to college and after a number of years isn't married, but she really wants to be. And so I decide to help the process along. And I take out an ad in the newspaper and I put up a billboard sign and print up t-shirts begging someone to come and choose her. Wouldn't that cheapen who she is? Wouldn't that make it seem like they were doing her a favor? I would never do that. If you want to come and get to know her, you better come with everything you've got, or I'll send you packing. To think about that idea, that concept of, just as he admits, are we guilty of selling Jesus? Do we water down the message? Do we just talk about the good things and leave out all the ripples and the sacrifices that comes with being a follower of Jesus. Because Jesus didn't water down the message. He was clear from the very beginning. And he was not interested in just getting a large following. He was not interested in being the most popular rabbi. He came to change the world. He came to change the rules. And to redeem what was seemingly unredeemable. And that's a process that we have to understand and respect. Again, this was not something that, that made a lot of sense. I mean, when we think about, again, the, the, the message of the cross. Right, again, why would Jesus use that in this invitation? Well, because... It was the perfect thing to show how serious Jesus was about what he was asking of us as followers. So this morning, I want to um, read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, okay, verses 18 through 31. Okay, as, as Paul here describes for the church in Corinth, just kind of the craziness of God's plan, right? Of God, why would God use something like a cross? Right, to redeem the world. So we're going to pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me. Um, if you don't have your own Bible or don't have it with you, there are Bibles provided for you in the seat pockets. And on your outline, you'll see the page numbers of where you can find these passages in that Bible. 
But we're going to read this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 18, okay, where it says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are heading for destruction. But we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave philosophers and scholars and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Okay, as we, you know, read this, this passage, I mean, this, as, as Paul is explaining, again, the, the crazy plan of God, of how to redeem a world, right, how to save us all. We see again, he starts with this premise, right, that, that the cross is the worst thing that God could have chosen. Right? Because in the first century, the cross was the ultimate symbol of weakness. I know you, you guys are slacking on this, kids. Here we go. I'll say it again. In the first century, the cross was the ultimate symbol of weakness. Yeah, it's, this was something, yeah, everybody in the first day knew what this meant. I mean, this was a form of, of capital punishment. Okay, this was a public sign, right, that, that, that not only are you a thief and a criminal, but you're also bad at it because you got caught. Okay, and we're going to hang you on a cross in front of everybody because you're sentenced to death. And, and before you die, we, we're going to show everybody they don't want to end up there. And so the cross, again, was a symbol of weakness, of shame, of, of pain, of, of everything that you did not want in your life. And so when Jesus, again, invites us to take up our cross, everybody knew what that meant. In the first century, it was not a mystery. Okay, notice again in verse 18. It says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. 
But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Again, it is foolishness. Right? Why would God use a symbol of torture and of death and of weakness to save the world? It doesn't make any sense. And yet, it was the perfect symbol. Because Jesus came to change all the rules. He came to turn the world as we know it upside down. And what a great way to redeem what seems unredeemable through a symbol that represents death and weakness and torture. That's what makes the cross so beautiful. God takes what is from a human perspective is foolish. He chooses what has no glory and that it carries no honor and he finds the least likely symbol for love and for life and he says, that's what I'm going to use. God makes what the world says is foolish, demeaning and shameful and says, Watch this as he turns it into the power of salvation. And in his his earthly life and ministry, and by dying and rising again on the third day, Jesus completely redefines the meaning of the cross. He completely redefines it. He takes what it once was and he turns it upside down. Again, who else but God could take a cross that represents defeat and turn it into a symbol of victory? Who else but God could take a cross that represented guilt and turn it into a symbol for grace? Who else but God could take a cross that represented condemnation and turn it into a symbol of freedom? Who else but God could take a cross that represented pain and suffering and turn it into a symbol of healing and hope? Who else but God could take a cross that represented death and turn it into a gleaming symbol of life? Again, 1 Corinthians 1.25, right, as Paul tells us, this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest human strength. He redefines the cross to to help us remember that every time we see it, it it is a symbol of God's power. It is a symbol of God being able to redeem what the world defines as unredeemable. The cross is a reminder that God is way more powerful than I can ever be on my own. And what Jesus did for the cross, he can do for you. What he did for the cross, he can do for you. Okay, in fact, that I I would say is the, the whole heart of God is he wants to take wherever you are when you join the journey and completely transform you into something different. Again, look in 1 Corinthians 
Chapter 1, verse 27, right, as we already read, he says, Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Again, Paul points out here, right, that God likes to use the weak things and turn them into strong things. And so many times do we, especially as fans, sit back and say, I can't be a follower because I'm too weak. I don't have, I can't do that. I'm not willing to give that up for, for whatever it would be. Right? And yet if we look through scripture, we see that God continually chooses the weak and not the ones that think they're strong. Right? As we go through scripture, we see how Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was humiliated, Moses stuttered, Gideon was poor, Samson was proud, Rahab was immoral, David had an affair, Elijah was suicidal, Jeremiah was depressed, Jonah was disobedient, Naomi was a widow, John the Baptist was eccentric, Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered, Martha worried a lot, the Samaritan woman had several failed marriages, Zacchaeus was unpopular, Thomas had doubts, Paul had poor health, and Timothy was timid. And yet this is the list of the people that God used in his plan. He takes what is weak and he redefines it to be strong by his power. The Bible is a long list of imperfect misfits who discovered that their weakness can become their strength through God's power. And what God has done for the cross, he wants to do for you. And yes, it seems backwards to us, right? God, God teaches us that what we, when we think we're strong is when we are the weakest, Right, when we put our faith in ourselves, right, is our weakest point. And yet, when we acknowledge our weaknesses and humble ourselves before him and put ourselves in the position of God's strength being lived out through us. Again, Paul, as we see just in this list I read to you, and we've seen, again, Paul who wrote this passage for Corinthians, right, he was, again, the, arguably the greatest missionary ever to walk the planet, right? And, and literally, we don't even know how many millions of people have come to Christ because of Paul's ministry, and yet he struggled, right? And he knew he was weak because of his physical condition, right? And in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, he describes this. As he says three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Did you catch that? Paul said he takes pleasure in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles. Why on earth would that be pleasurable? 
Well, because it is a constant reminder that the world's not about me. It's about God. Right? That I'm not doing any on my, on my own power. It's about him. Like, and that his power is what continues to move through. Right? Because pride can so easily creep into our lives. Right? And nothing will stall your journey as a follower more than pride. And that is what the cross should do for us. It should remind us that we are weak, but that God takes the weak and through his power and through his love makes us strong. And that's the test for, for all of our us as followers. Will we, like Christ did before us, trust God enough to let your weakness become his strength? Because it's when we let go of our need for comfort, our need for control, our need for the glory in our strengths and in our accomplishments and in our paychecks and in our trophies and in our what other people think about us and whatever keeps you from abandoning your comfortable version of the Christian life. And it's only then that God can work in our own lives and our hearts through the death of Christ on a cross. And it is then that God does in our hearts what he did for the cross. He takes followers who are hanging by a thread and he encourages their spirit. He takes followers who were at their weakest moment and he uses it for an enormous kingdom impact. He takes followers who were all but defeated and he turns their testimonies into life-giving messages of truth and hope and all for his glory. Because for fans, the cross is nothing more than a piece of jewelry or a common decoration. But for deeply committed followers, it is a reminder of God's power, of God's redemptive work, and that God uses the weak and turns them into the strong. Which leads me to my final thought this morning, and that is this. The cross originally stood for weakness, shame, and death. But Jesus turned it into a symbol of God's power, hope, and true life as we follow him. So what in your life needs to be re? What in your life needs to be redefined? What are you holding back? Right, they're saying, no, that's not redeemable, Lord. Or I'm not going to give that up. Right, that is my biggest weakness. Right, that thing and those things we tend to hide and to hold on the tightest. And yet, Jesus invites us to say, give it up. Let me redeem it. Right? And you will move forward in your journey if you're able to, again, look in your own life and heart and say, God, redefine what's holding me back. I no longer want to be a fan, but I want to be a deeply committed follower of you. Right? Redeem my weakness and make it strong. Lord God, that is our prayer today, Lord, as we sit at the foot of your cross, God, and we do adore you. God, because you took, God, our weakness, God, what we could never do on our own. And Lord, you turned it upside down and you redefined it. 
God, and you transform us. And God, because of you, we never have to feel weak again. God, because it's not our power, but it's yours. And God, we live in your power every day. God, as we make that daily decision, God, to be your followers, to die to ourselves, God, and to live for you. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we leave today, God, that as we continue in our own faith journey, God, that by us dying to ourselves every day, Lord, and being closer to you tomorrow than we are today, Lord, that 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 light would shine in this world. And God, that we would not be afraid of the pain and discomfort that comes with giving things up to you, but God, that we would be redefined in our life. And God, I pray that whatever it is we need to, to give up or to be redefined by your power, Lord, that we would give it up. And God, that we would continue to grow in you. Lord, guide us this week as we take a next, another step in our journey closer to you every day. We love you, God. We praise you. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.